Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Outkick 360, and just like that, the second hour is here alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton, Lance Lee, Jacob Swanson, David Reed, Becca Risley, Sleepy Danny, Sarah Triplett, and our entire cast with Outkick making the show happen for us. We appreciate you joining us. And if you're watching on YouTube, we hope you'll go up to that bar, type in Outkick 360, subscribe to the new channel. You're streaming right now live through the Outkick channel, which is great. We hope you'll continue to do that. But we've also started the Outkick 360 channel. We will soon live stream daily and provide brand new content daily to that channel at Outkick 360 on YouTube. So subscribe, hit the alert, hit that bell, uh, and comment there as well. That's what you can do. And you'll be alerted to all new content through the YouTube channel, Outkick 360. Josh Heupel, Tennessee's head coach, will join us in about 10 minutes. Uh, before that, though, guys, let's discuss the Titans' schedule a bit. Here is what we know so far. We know that the Titans will open up the season week one against the Arizona Cardinals at Nissan Stadium in a noon kickoff. Here are the 2021 uh, opponents on the screen uh, where we will go through uh, several of these matchups that have been leaked. What's been reported is week one against Arizona. Uh, the one the, the games that have been leaked. Week four on the road against the Jets. Week six at home against Buffalo on Monday Night Football. Week 10 at home against the New Orleans Saints. That is a noon kickoff, according to those uh, putting out schedules for the Saints. Uh, week 12 at New England. That's a noon kickoff on CBS. I mentioned the week 12. Week 11 the Patriots will be playing the Falcons on Thursday night football. That means that the Patriots will have 10 days to prepare for the Tennessee Titans, and they'll host them in week 12 in Foxborough. Week 16, home against the San Francisco 49ers on Thursday night football. So the Titans have Monday night football and Thursday night football at Nissan Stadium, according to reports from around the NFL with those covering specific teams. That's what we've gathered so far. That week 16 report, which you mentioned, is probably the weakest of the reports. It's by somebody uh, with about 5,000 followers, podcast that follows the 49ers. That's an advantageous schedule there because that's a Thursday night before Christmas weekend. I think we've got this full slate of games is Saturday. Christmas Day is a Sunday, if I'm not mistaken, which has the two games that Chad reported. At any rate, that's the Thursday before Christmas weekend, so it's nice that they're off the holiday. Guys will like that scheduling. You're going to play a Thursday night game. Uh, that's a good weekend to, to have it. Um, then pre presumably gives you good rest before week 17, which could be the crucial game, and I would guess is going to be at the Colts or Colts at home. They try to schedule division matchups there, and in this division, the obvious game that would have the biggest implications guessing well, there, strength of schedule no matter what. There will be two games after that. 
Oh, sorry. Yeah, 18 weeks. Two games after that. But coming up in those last two weeks, I would expect Titans would play the Colts in there probably the last week. This is an obvious two-team division. Well, the last two years, the Titans have ended the season against Houston. Houston. Yeah. yeah. Houston's not going to be – I mean, if you're looking to schedule a matchup that's going to have division consequences in the AFC South, that game's going to be Titans-Colts would be a pretty safe presumption with the Jaguars in a deep rebuild and the Texans in the mix of the Deshaun Watson stuff. Chad, your impression of that schedule just as we go through and kind of map out the different months? I mean, I like getting uh, two uh, odd day of the week primetime games at home. If you're a Titans fan, that's what immediately jumps out. Getting a Thursday night game at home, getting a Monday night game at home, big uh, for the city of Nashville, big for Titans fans to have those games. First thing that jumps to mind is every time the Titans have played the 49ers, it's happened in December, I feel like. <laughs> it's always like a bad weather game in San Francisco. I'm going back to the start of the Titans as a franchise when they moved from Houston. I feel like the, the small amount of times they've played San Francisco, it's taken place in December, so it makes sense it would happen again Christmas weekend uh, with the 49ers coming to town. But I mean, from what we know so far, I like it. I love that opening game against Arizona at home. I'm with you, Hutton. I think that's a very underrated, really good week one game for both of those teams. That's a tough, that's a tough game for either side if you're looking at it on paper. Yeah. With Hopkins and Kyler Murray uh, with their somewhat revamped run game. Plus, they have uh, J.J. Watt on their team now, and Malcolm Butler well, returns. It's, and it, to me, it's such a challenge for that defensive brain trust now with the Titans, with Bowen, with Vrabel, with yeah. Jim Schwartz, because that's a very unique quarterback challenge. Yes, that's a great point. And Kyler Murray to, to start off where Shane Bowen is now for officially, for the first time, the defensive coordinator. And I it's like a, the, a big year for Kingsbury. I like the Jets in the first four weeks, new head coach, new quarterback. Mm-hmm. I want teams that are – New and have had a lot of turnover early. I did Jacksonville. A, I did an ideal Titans schedule earlier this week at my site. Uh, I would have liked New England early, not the first week with all the preparation time, but they've got a yep. lot of new people. Yep. Um, and it takes a lot to get used to New England's system and to week to week game planning. You'd rather see them early. You'd like to see New Orleans early with the quarterback change. Uh, and see them get used to it. Though they've played well with substitute quarterbacks, this is the first time they're going in without Drew Brees as their quarterback in a long time. Colts early wouldn't be bad with the new quarterback and Carson Wentz getting in there. So we'll see. Maybe they'll draw one of those or two of those teams in weeks two and two and three. Uh, you don't necessarily want to be in New England week twelve, colder weather. You'd like to steer away from that as well. You hope the trip to Jacksonville was in that cold weather season. Also, um, so a lot to be fleshed out still. Coming up, Tennessee head coach Josh Heupel. Uh, more on that in just a moment. But before those details, Chad, tell us about Renner's Warehouse. Renner's Warehouse. Look, they're in the business uh, of helping people help their own financial situations. I've talked about them for a while. Thrilled I get to talk about them now right here on Outkick 360. So many different ways that they can help. And you see the website if you're watching right now. They've got simple questions for you. Do you own rental property and need cash? We could all use cash. Are you worried about receiving rent on time? Are you considering updating your rental property or investing in a larger portfolio? You can get the most out of your real estate investment by receiving a full year of rent. That's right, full year of rent paid up front. That's up to a year of rent payments in your pocket right now with Renters Warehouse. 
By giving you your money up front, Renters Warehouse helps minimize risk and provides financial flexibility so you can build long-term wealth. Renters Warehouse is Nashville's leader in property management, and it's the only company providing upfront rent, the upfront rent program available for a limited time. Here's how you need to take advantage of this. Call Renters Warehouse Nashville. You can see the number there. I'll tell it to you also, 615-398-9550, or go to the website. They have made a specialty website just for OutKick 360. That website, rwnashville.com. You can see if you qualify. Renterswarehouse.com, helping maximize your property investment potential. Do it the Renters Warehouse way and get tomorrow's rent today. Coming up on OutKick 360, Tennessee head coach Josh Heupel joins the show next across the OutKick network. Hang with us. OutKick 360 rolls on inside the Tennessee Power Hour across the OutKick network, which includes Fox Sports Knoxville, Fan Run Radio uh, there, and in Knoxville across our network. Uh, crew's all here today, right here in Nashville, alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Pleased to be joined for the first time on the show by Tennessee head coach Josh Heupel. Coach, appreciate the time today, man. Hope you're doing well. Uh, we're doing awesome here in, uh, in Knoxville, man, and uh, appreciate you guys having me on. Absolutely. You've been on the job now, what, a little over three months, I, I believe, maybe a little bit longer than that. Uh, you feel like you've accomplished what you set out to do when you when you took over, you had the press conference and you, boots on the ground, so to speak? Yeah, I, as a coach, you're never satisfied, right? You're always pushing ahead the, the very moment you finish something. You're looking at how you can do and be better and, and uh, where you need to get to. So, uh, as we finished up spring ball, man, we got a long ways to go, but uh, also uh, made myself and our staff look back and how far we had come at that point in 90 days and really proud of, of our staff and our players, uh, you know, just how much we've changed and, uh, and grown together uh, over that period of time. Uh, really proud of, of what we've done. If we can keep that type of momentum and growth up, uh, we're putting ourselves in the best position next fall. And, you know, our guys are gone right now, uh, I guess, you know, half of our team, and, and uh, look forward to getting those guys back here uh, early June and, and uh, building this football family again. You know, I, I, I found it interesting whenever you spoke to your, your players, your leadership, they wanted more accountability within the program. Is that something that I – mean, how long does that take for a coach coming in to build? Like, is that a transition you can make over a spring, or does that take a little while? I don't think you're ever a finished product in that you're constantly evolving and growing because uh, you're dealing with a bunch of individuals that are all at different levels in, inside of their accountability and collectively as, as a football team. I think it's really rare uh, in today's world that a bunch of 18 to 22 years old, uh, 22 year old football players, that's one of the first things that, that came out of their mouth as we had a discussion is you know, changing the accountability inside of the program. And, and that's by a man and, and that's holding the teammates accountable. And, you know, as we embarked on our journey together here at, at uh, in late January, early February, um, we were not anywhere near where we needed to be. We've come a long ways. And just doing the right thing uh, when you're away from the building, man, going to class, uh, how you interact with people off in the field, uh, your connection and communication with people, you know, what you're doing inside the building too, being on time for meetings, uh, wearing the right things to, to weight workouts, whatever it might be. And, um, really proud of, of where we've gotten to and, and uh, our team is really proud of that too. Coach, I'm really interested in your relationship with Danny White. Of course, he hires you to be the head coach at, at UCF. What was your first impression of him and 
did that first impression sustain itself as you worked under him at UCF and how obviously it was appealing to you, but when this opportunity came up, what was so exciting about it for you working with Danny White again based on what you saw at UCF? Yeah, <clears throat> from the outside in before I got to UCF and, and then through my experiences with him over the last three years, uh, he's aggressive, uh, he's assertive, uh, he wants to, to give all the resources and tools uh, to all of his head coaches, not just football, but to all of them inside of an athletic department to go chase greatness, man. Expectation is to, to be great. Best is the standard at, at Tennessee. Uh, this is a unique situation because you have so many resources, but he's going to constantly push the envelope of what we're doing, making sure that we have everything that we need to be successful, very supportive of our student athletes, which I think is really important, man. This student athlete experience is one of his primary thoughts. And, and uh, he doesn't just talk about it, he pushes and, and lives that every single day. And uh, I think in a short amount of time, our student athletes have started to experience that as well. So roster management and the transfer portal is just a reality now uh, across college sports. Your program got hit really hard uh, with transfers leaving the program, but now you're starting to see a little bit of it on the other end where you're getting some guys to transfer into Knoxville. I'm just curious, just philosophically, how do you balance the sales pitch with guys that are in your program on why they should stay versus allowing for the, okay, I don't want to waste my time with people that aren't into this program and what we're doing here. That's got to be a difficult transition with players when you're trying to retain your roster. Yeah, I, I, you know, the <clears> – <throat> The, the transfer waivers, you know, it's got to a double-edged sword, right? Um, you know, and, and at the end of the day, I, I think I know that I am our staff and, and Danny is as well. You know, you're a proponent of student-athlete experience and trying to make sure that, that they have the tools necessary to have a great experience. <clears throat> when I got here in late January, all the turmoil, uncertainty uh, that existed around this, this, this program, um, you know, I think you wanted, I wanted to give our, our players here inside of a program an opportunity to see what the reality of Tennessee football was going to be for, uh, moving forward, right? As a coach, my first meeting with our players, I, I said, there's going to be a lot of words spoken tonight. You probably heard these words at some point uh, during the course of your career, um, but you'll soon learn that my actions are, are going to be carried out that way. And uh, uh, I think that's what our players inside of our program have experienced here. we got great momentum and energy inside of our program connections completely different that was the second thing that came out of our players mouth when i taught uh, had a team meeting with uh, with our players is you know accountability first but the connection piece had to be real that's who i am that's who our staff is uh, the guys that i've hired you've seen us live that out you know probably through social media uh, at times here just the experiences that we've had together and, and um <clears throat> you know as we move forward and uh, there comes a point in time where all right you gotta decide if this is something that you want to be a part of or not and uh um, it's always about the guys that are inside of your program. On the flip side of, of that coin, uh, as we've gotten through spring ball and, and entered this period of time in late May and our, uh, late April and early May, um, we've been able to add uh, some guys to our roster that have the ability to, to help us immediately. Uh, we think when we get to next fall, and some guys will have an opportunity to develop inside of our program as well. You've emphasized making it fun. I think on the outside, we tend to, to imagine that it's automatically fun. How easy is it for, for things to slip into not being fun for guys when a program's losing, um, when the routine gets difficult, particularly maybe out of COVID? 
where guys are kind of dragging themselves to and from practice and weightlifting sessions and the like. And is that maybe a more difficult charge than some of us could imagine, the idea of making it fun again? I think this, everyone went through a, a unique experience last year with COVID, right? And the ability to be around each other and, and have a, a typical uh, experience was completely different. So I, I think that made it, you know, difficult for, for student athletes everywhere. Um, but I think the reality is, is inside of your program, yeah, it's about fun, but this is a really competitive realm that you're living in, right? This is football at the highest level, right? You're competing against great players every Saturday afternoon. That's why you come and play at Tennessee is because you want an opportunity to, to play on the biggest stages and go win, right? But you're competing that way in, in everything that you're doing, right? And the accountability piece of, of you know, lifting, eating, uh, running, uh, being in meetings, practice, all that stuff's real. And that's a competitive environment. What you wanna make sure is you're recruiting guys that love competing, right? And you make those competitive arenas real for those guys every single day. But the connection piece, right, is, is real. And that's just who you are and how you interact inside of your your building every day. What are your interactions like when you're in the meeting room? What, who are you when you walk past a player, right? Uh, you know, when I first got here, it was for us, our staff, but for me, I had to go see them. I had to go seek them out, right? And that's being in the locker room, being down in the players' lounge, being around them in their areas and them getting a chance to see who I am. Not one time, but multiple times, right? And every experience that I had with them changed the shape and the course of how they felt coming into this building. And that's the reality of who we are. Uh, our players are up on, on you know, the second floor, which is our, our coaches' offices and meeting rooms, man. They're coming up here all the time now. Why? Because they like being around us. They like being together, and, and that energy that you see from our program, from our players, that that's real. That's who we are every single day. And and uh, yeah, you got to do some fun things that are outside the box, but that's really about connection, man. You think about a family, and that's the most overused word in recruiting and in college sports. I think, and I say that meaning that people use it, but they don't live it out every single day, man. And uh, we're gonna live those things out and who we are. Well, and you, you've done a lot of that. I mean, I know Tennessee fans are talking about dodgeball games and uh, softball home run derbies and food trucks and ice cream and, and everything else that's gone on uh, around this program since you took over. I'm curious. I don't know if you've ever been asked this question this way. Do you consider yourself a fun-loving guy or do you just love fun within your program? How would you describe yourself? Uh, <clears throat> Uh, the difference there is really subtle. Uh, I love love competing. I love our players. I want them to have a great experience, and I'm going to love and pour everything that I have into them. Absolutely, and uh, I think that's uh, who I've been, who I'm going to be. That's who our coaching staff is. You're going to see our families involved in that. Um, there's so much time that you're you're taking away from your own family, right? My two kids, my wife. Um, you're pouring it into something else. You want to share and blend those two experiences together and, and create a real football family. Coach, you, you're, you've tweaked your offense everywhere you've been. How much different could your offense look this, this fall based on the quarterback you choose to run it? Well, I think offensively, it's always about who are, are the personnel right that's competing at a championship level they got to earn the right to be on the field but what is the personnel makeup of who you are right that's wide receivers that's tight ends that's running backs it's your offensive line too right and so knowing your strengths knowing your weaknesses asking your players to do things that they can be successful at that's schematically it's fundamentally in technique as well and then it's the positions and the matchups that you put them in 
during the course of a ball game on Saturday afternoon. We're going to be different than we were at the previous two stops because our personnel is different, right? And we're going to find a trigger guy and match that with the personnel that we have outside and at our skill spots to give us the best opportunity to be successful. Um, you find out a lot during 15 practices in spring ball, but man, there's still so much growth that happens. And that's, you know, why you don't come out of spring ball with a set depth chart is because, you know, May, June, and July, your players have an opportunity to completely change who they are physically. All right. Mentally, they have an opportunity to, to re-digest everything that's happened and become a completely different player by the time they get to training camp or by kickoff, man. They, their alignment sound, right? They have their eyes in the right place. They anticipate, they read things completely different at the quarterback position, but at 21 other spots on the football field too. And so you got to let kids go through that growth pattern. Coach Josh Heupel with us on Outkick 360. Coach, uh, uh, I was reading and I saw a photo of a goal sheet that you filled out at Aberdeen Central High School um, from your high school quarterbacking days where there's team goals, individual goals, personal goals for the offseason and interceptions versus touchdowns, yardage, all this. Do you still ask your current players to do a similar write-out and list of, of personal expectations and team expectations? Yeah, we, we absolutely set goals. Um, you know, the timing of when we got here, uh, the, the beginning of the semester, it had kind of gotten started. So we didn't do that before we got kicked off in, in, in our off-season program. Uh, but as we've come out of it, you know, we recognize, you know, in our exit meetings, what are the things that are, are a strength for a player? What is he doing really well uh, physically? Where's his body comp at? Um, and then, you know, you come out of that meeting with set parameters of, you know, here's three things that I want to do mentally. Uh, on the football field, fundamentally technique, who's responsible for for the ownership and designing a plan for that for, for the current player. You know what I mean? It might be strength and conditioning. It might be your tra athletic trainer that's dealing with a kid that's got some, some rehab things, right? It might be your nutritionist. Uh, it's always going to have ownership from the player himself as well as he's a huge part of that process, obviously. Um, but, yeah, you I think to know where you want to go, you got to know where you're currently at, and then you got to devise a roadmap that works from where your end goal is and work backwards. And we do the same thing in how we uh, set our, our training camp schedule, you know what I mean, to how we practice every single day um, because, you know, we want to be the freshest, fastest football team. Uh, when we get out there on the field on Saturday afternoon, how do we rewind that as we work through the week to get there? And, Coach, based on the orange and white game, Tennessee football is going to look very different this year. Uh, from an on-field product and how you're trying to play. I'm curious, how much does it help that you get a chance to showcase that new-look Tennessee football two days earlier on Thursday night as opposed to Saturday with your game against Bowling Green getting moved to Thursday night football? Yeah, I think this is a great opportunity for us to, to showcase our brand um, uh, of UT football in front of the entire country and uh, an opportunity for our players to play on the biggest and best stage and uh, have a packed out Neyland Stadium and, and uh, go represent the, the new era of, of uh, Tennessee football, man. We got one of the greatest traditions in college football. We get to put a new age approach on that. Excited that we get to do that for the entire country, kicking off uh, opening day of, of the college football season. I'm sure fans are excited to see that new age approach. There's been cause for negativity uh, among the fan base. Danny White's talked a little bit about that. I'm, I'm curious about your take on that, given what they've gone through over the last 10, 15, however many years, and, and what you're hoping to provide them with. 
I think my experience as a, as a football player and it shapes my perspective on, on who we are and where we're at today. And I say that, that, you know, I went to Oklahoma being recruited and that was a program at that time that hadn't been to a bowl game for five straight years. Uh, there was some uncertainty and negativity uh, that surrounded that, that program. And I say that as a positive meaning that just like here at Tennessee, man, passion, they care. They want to live it, breathe it, eat it 365 days out of the year. That's why I wanted to be at Tennessee. This is a special program. This is one of the greatest traditions in college football. Top 10 in wins, top 10 in NFL draft picks. Anything you want to do can and has been done here and it's going to be done again. Um, you know what I mean? And, and uh, I know we got a long way to go from where we're at today. Uh, our staff and our players are going to fight and compete to get there every single day. And um, excited that uh, that we get a chance to embark on that journey here, man. And, and I consider it a privilege to be the caretaker of Tennessee football at this time. Uh, I want our fan base to jump on board. And uh, I know part of that's a product on the field. Um, but the passion and energy that surrounds our program has a huge impact on our recruiting, has a huge impact on our players. Um, let's go do this thing together, man, and uh, and have some fun. Coach, I've, I've got one more for you, and I think this is one that my co-host Paul Kuharski is going to love. And that is your stance against country music. Yes. You brought music back to the practice field, uh, but your one rule of the music is no country music. Uh, what is your axe to grind with country music, or do you just not appreciate the energy that it brings to a practice? <laughs> All right. So uh, I'm a fan of country music. You can't you can't paint the broad picture on that, man. I'm. Uh, uh, I, I can uh, I can go with any genre of music when I'm outside the practice field, but uh, the players asked uh, about bringing back to music uh, to to the practice field. I haven't been on a practice field since like 2008 that didn't have music on it. Mean, I, I definitely could not go back the other direction. Uh, <laughs> I get a little bit of rise out of the the guys, but it's true, man. Um, a large portion of our football team wants to to create some energy out there and. And uh, country might, might might not be the number one genre to get it done for us. <laughs> Bravo, sir, for your honesty and your musical I, taste. Coach, I've got a feeling if that five-star quarterback loves Luke Bryan, you're going to be cranking up some Luke Bryan pretty soon. <laughs> that, that, that might be real. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Coach, we appreciate the visit th this afternoon. Uh, great chance to catch up with you, and hopefully uh, we'll, we'll do this again before the season kicks off. Sounds guy, uh, good. Appreciate it, guys. Go balls. Thanks so All much. Right. Josh Heupel has been our guest. Uh, he's, he's energized about the position, uh, being the head coach. There's a lot of pressure that comes with that, uh, but he's, he's faced pressure before uh, through his playing days. He's the, the son of a coach, and uh, certainly with his track record at UCF, he feels as though he's prepared for the job working with Danny White there as the AD. Found it interesting that when uh, Paul asked about the negativity around the fan base, he referenced Oklahoma. And uh, when he went to Oklahoma, you know, late 80s through the 90s, that was a bad program. You know, five yeah. straight years, no bowl appearances when he got there. And then, of course, they go to a national championship game uh, quickly when Bob Stoops takes over at Oklahoma. Yeah. And it's also interesting that he mentioned Oklahoma because he does not have a good relationship with his alma mater in how they fired him as offensive coordinator. And that's been well documented also. So um, I think Tennessee fans listening to that, I certainly like the energy of Josh Heupel. I, I think it's authentic in his optimism. I think he's also going to a place that even with all the numbers being down and everything happening, he's probably never inherited this much talent you know, anywhere he's gone, whether it be at Missouri when he took over uh, at UCF. At the top end, there's still some pretty good talent yeah. with the starters at Tennessee. So I think that optimism is real. 
I think the pessimism is real for those that follow the SEC and look around and think, well, Tennessee's still going to be at a disadvantage most weeks when they go up against SEC programs from a talent perspective. He is, and just watching him in an interview setting, uh, and I think he, he displayed it here again, he's very steady and balanced in his answers, right? Like, uh, you can bring up the negati- negativity of the, of the program in the past, you can bring up the future, and it's very balanced with the overall tone and uh, posture of how he approaches things. But there's two answers that he's given, uh, and I'm just thinking of two phrases that he's used that I'm, I'm intrigued to see how he puts his own twist on moving forward for the program. We'll hit this when we come back. Plus, we'll discuss that Tennessee schedule. On a day where the NFL is announcing their schedule, we'll run through the Tennessee Vol schedule for Josh Heupel. That's all straight ahead on Outkick 360. Great having Josh Heupel on the show. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. Chad Withrow to my left, Paul Kaharski on my right. I'm Jonathan Hutton looking at Lance Lee and Jacob Swanson make the show happen, along with David Reed, Becca Risley, Sleepy Danny, Sarah Triplett, our production assistant, the whole cast and crew with Outkick and the Outkick Network. If you're watching on YouTube, we hope you'll subscribe to the Outkick 360 channel. It's a new channel that's available for you where we're going to post exclusive content. We're going to live stream this show every day on that channel. Go subscribe. Uh, So subscribe, but also hit the bell. Ring that bell for all the alerts anytime we post something new. New content available through Outkick 360 on YouTube. Interesting uh, to hear Josh Heupel discuss. He, he loved the Tennessee opportunity because of the tradition behind the job. And he mentioned the word tradition. But he also mentions new age. Yes. New age recruiting. So how do you balance new age approach with traditional Tennessee football? What is the Tennessee tradition of football right now? I think that's tough to describe. Uh, but it, 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 it's hard to do both. It's hard to be new age and be traditional. traditional. I think the only tradition Tennessee fans are concerned with right now is their tradition of winning. They are a top ten winningest college football program all time. He mentioned it, top ten in NFL draft picks. Mm-hmm. That's all Tennessee fans are concerned with. I, I don't think most Tennessee fans care about the way things were done in the past. Just keep Rocky Top. Keep the helmet the same, Check and that's about it. Check aboard. If you want to do anything else that attracts players that help this program win, I don't think Tennessee fans are necessarily opposed to it. So I think Josh Heupel's new age approach is much more from an offensive uh, in high def standpoint and running it in a fast well, way that scores more points. New age is more, and I'm with you. Yeah. I, I like this answer because new age is more than just third down for what. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. And the, the Butch Jones third down for what? That's all great, and that that creates like some energy. But I like what Chad's saying. The new age needs to be within the mentality and approach offensively. That's yeah. the new We're age. We're throwing it down the field, and not just throwing it down the field. We're going to be inventive offensively, yeah. like the best teams in the country. Though defense can still win you things. Mm-hmm. What's going to bring a kid here to tap into that history? is the fact that we're going to be cutting edge on offense. Like you're watching teams be in the NFL. You're watching Patrick Mahomes and you're craving that. And we're going to be somewhat of a gateway towards that. 
Chad's got an interesting theory, too, on the inventive, the explosiveness offensively to why they're playing their first game on Thursday night, why they want to debut on Thursday night. As we see the Tennessee Vols schedule, uh, the, the Bowling Green matchup was on the 4th. A 4th, a 4th. Fourth, fourth. It is now on Thursday night, September the 2nd, uh, listed on SEC Network, but on one of the ESPN properties. Uh, prior to moving on their schedule, playing Pittsburgh, playing Tennessee Tech, before that game at Florida and at Missouri, as you see the schedule play out with back-to-back home games against South Carolina, Ole Miss, and then a tough stretch, Alabama, at Kentucky, home against Georgia, and then South Carolina before finish off the season. South Alabama. Against, South Alabama. Uh, Vandy. Yes, sorry, South Alabama, before finish off the season against uh, the Vanderbilt Commodores. Uh, but, Chad, your, your theory on moving this game and, and knowing that, yeah, you know what, this is the right time to move this game to a national spotlight, marquee matchup on a Thursday night game. Well, I'll really admit I've not done my research yet on Bowling Green, what they have returning. I can tell you they're one of the worst teams in FBS a year ago. So this should be a relatively easy game for Tennessee. So it's twofold. One, you get a spotlight on Thursday night where people are craving football, and that's September 2nd going into Labor Day weekend. So you're going to get more eyeballs on that game. Uh, The weather's going to be better at 8 o'clock Eastern as opposed to noon on Saturday, Labor Day weekend. I think that's a big part of it also. And you get a chance to unveil the new brand of Tennessee football that we just heard Josh Heupel talk so much about, where they're going to be a little bit more fun, not a little bit more. You would hope a lot more fun than what the offense was last year. They're going to score points. This is a good time to unveil. (laughs) It's always a high-pressure scenario and when you're in one of 12 games, but this is as low pressure as it's going to get from an opponent standpoint for Tennessee. So why not unveil your new system, have some offensive fireworks on a Thursday night, and – the other part of this is huge swing game is the next one against Pitt at home. You get extra, extra days, days to prepare. You know, while everyone else is playing over the weekend on Saturday, Sunday, or even Monday for some teams, Tennessee will have those two extra days to rest and start preparing for Pitt, which is going to be a pivotal swing game. People are saying that could be the difference, the Pitt game between a bowl game and not. I'm going to go ahead and put it out of your minds. Tennessee's not going to a bowl game this year, even if they go seven and five. They're going to. I think they're going to self-impose a ban. Mm-hmm. in year one to get that out of the way. So it, it is a big game in terms of final record. And Hutton, you mentioned it about the new age approach and what Tennessee needs to do quickly. It's more important for Tennessee to get fun quickly as opposed to win quickly under Josh Heupel. Because Heupel comes in at a we'll time fun where and compete. it's not – I really think that fun matters more right now to recruits because – Well, it's not that fun if you lose by 20. No, but they can sell the fact that – Ole Miss makes it fun. Yeah, we're losing 41 to 58. You know, it's, we're not even that competitive, and we scored some points late, but that's more fun than losing 35 to 10. Lane Kiffin loses by 20 to Alabama, but, but he here's, put up 60. Here's, here's why well, I say that's that. That's Alabama. The state of Tennessee is gangbusters right now in recruiting, and it's only getting better. Right. And you got to get the majority right. of kids you want in state. And there are plenty of suitors from Ohio State to Alabama to Georgia that are coming in and swiping players from the state of Tennessee. So that's what I mean by get fun, make it enjoyable, make it a little bit more trendy where kids in energy. state will want to stay with the home state public school. This guy strikes me as smart enough, and now he's got a few extra days to prepare for Pitt. He's not going to start preparing for Pitt Instead of his opening day opponent, like, oh, no. like we've seen happen with Georgia State. Yeah, they State. can't afford to do that. I think also um, 
The, the big question is, are they going to have a starting quarterback by September the 2nd? Or are yeah, we going to have multiple guys? I think you'll know pretty quickly uh, in fall camp. I, I don't. Let me put it this way. They're going to go with two guys pretty quickly. That's not going to be a four-man equal, equal rep race. See, I, I They're think going to get down to two guys pretty quickly that, in fall that's camp. Cr- that's critical to what Paul's asking here is, are you going to start preparing for Pittsburgh? That I think past regimes in, in recent years have been trying to figure out who their starting quarterback is going to be, and they've used that early game as a feeling out process for whoever's going to be the starting quarterback by Florida. And my hope is that they identify that guy prior to September 2nd and you get the ball rolling towards Florida with your guy. And that's what we haven't seen recently is having the quarterback at the helm. Well, and Tennessee's got a a decent chance at starting Mm 3-0, which would be huge, you know, going to Florida. Uh, That pit game is is the biggest. In your mind, it's Milton, right? I, I they didn't go I have get a hard time no believing reason. they brought Milton in to uh, not be the starter. Um, I, I also think that they like Hendon Hooker, and I think they, they like Harrison Bailey. Brian Maurer showed out well. I, I just don't see him as a factor in the race. I think they're going to get it down to two players pretty quickly in fall camp, and then they'll eventually decide on, on one. One other thing, though, about Josh Heupel, um, fresh set of eyes in the program. I think that was needed badly, and Jeremy Pruitt – he was a fresh set of eyes, but he was also someone that was accustomed to beating the stew out of Tennessee when he was at Alabama or Georgia. So I do think that when you're Jeremy Pruitt and you're an Alabama grad who grew up under Nick Saban as a coach, you probably come into the Tennessee situation looking down at Tennessee a little bit, right? I, I, I legitimately believe Josh Heupel. Well, he wouldn't, wait, he wouldn't was, wear orange for the first year. Josh, yeah, Josh Heupel, who is from South Dakota – went to junior college and played at Oklahoma and coached at a place like Missouri and then UCF. I believe the guy when I say that he's looking up at Tennessee as a job, that one of the jobs that he's always wanted, not the job, not a dream job scenario or anything like that, but when he compares Tennessee to Oklahoma and what Oklahoma was going through when he got there, I think he's being genuine that's a valid, about that. That's a valid yeah, comparison. Sure. There's no stretch there. That makes sense. Chad, do you blame – Henry Toto for transferring to Alabama. He blames Pruitt. Listen. Well, that he mentioned Pruitt. I mean, me. yes. <laughs> if you're a Tennessee fan, you have the right to be pissed off at Henry Toto. I get so sick of, oh, well, the kid's got to do what's right. The kid could have gone to Ohio State <laughs> and gone to the NFL in the first round if he's that good of a player. He could have gone to any one of 30 programs. But he chose the rival of Tennessee, the place where the guy who got Tennessee in NCAA trouble went to school, that recruited him to Tennessee. He chose to go to Alabama. Now, if he was making that decision out of high school and he made the business decision of going to Alabama, fine. No one's going to fault the kid. Oh, you chose Alabama over Tennessee. I get it. But when you make that commitment and you sign on the dotted line and you go to Tennessee and Tennessee treats you really well for two years, you are a beloved player on some losing teams. Well, at least one of the teams is a losing team. But you're still one of the beloved players. I don't fault Tennessee fans for being angry with Henry Toto for picking Alabama of all the programs where he could have gone anywhere in the country. I'm not saying, you know, hate-tweet the guy, but of course you have the right to be mad. Paul, if a Yankee leaves and goes to the Red Sox and had a ton of options to go somewhere else. Don't love you it. have the right to be mad. Don't love it. Fans have the right to be mad. Of course they do. He will 
uh, I know we said earlier this week that he's he'll have to earn that spot. That goes without saying, right? We we know he's going to earn the spot at Alabama. But the players playing in front of Henry Toto within that Alabama defense, he may shine and he may show out for the Crimson Tide based on the ability that we know he has compared to who he was playing behind at Tennessee. Yeah, of course. And it's going to infuriate Chad even more. I mean, look, the guy, he was part of a defense that gave up 42 points in three quarters <laughs> to Alabama. I mean, it's not... Yes, in Nick Saban's defense, he's going to look better. He's going to look great. Uh, I mean, and he, and, and, and he may start. The steam is just going to I just, rise I, I, out of I, I hear that, well, you can't be mad at the kid. Yes, I can be mad at the kid. <laughs> he was 18 years old when he signed on the dotted line. He's an adult. And now he's an adult when he makes this decision. He's been going to class at Tennessee on scholarship. He's been working out in Tennessee facilities. So, yes, Tennessee fans have the right to be pissed off when that guy decides to up and leave for Alabama. You know what proves that Chad could be mad at him? His madness at him. Yes, there yeah, it let is. Me, hey, let me give a, a quick round of applause to Eric Gray, Wanye Morris, and Key Lawrence for going to Oklahoma, a team not on Tennessee's schedule. That's not a top rival. I mean, at least they left and did the right thing and Heupel's went somewhere that's not going to go head-to-head with Tennessee. They're helping out Heupel instead of Pruitt. Yeah. yeah. They did it and do you have the high. right to be hypocritical about it and gladly take someone from a rival that's going to – Yes! Of course, but guess what that fan base has the right to be? Pissed at the player who left and went to Tennessee. That's how it works. Coming up. Good we're job. so afraid Good to job, be mad Hunt. right now. Good job, Hunt. It's amazing. Oh, no. I, I, I will, I will place this mad. ball like a tee again. Yeah. I will place the ball on the tee again. Yeah. Good job. On that power tee. For Stay Chad. mad during this break. Stay Coming angry. up, our thoughts on the Titans schedule, the NFL schedule release, and much more. Straight ahead on Outkick 360. Choose violence. <laughs> Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. Thanks for being with us today on this Wednesday edition. Our chat with Josh Heupel available as soon as we wrap up the show here in a few minutes. Available on podcasts and available on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel at Outkick 360. NFL schedule will be released in about, uh, what, four or five hours? Seven o'clock Central, uh, eight o'clock Eastern tonight uh, across the NFL. But the schedules are leaking across Twitter uh, galore. We, we, we have been able to already know the week one schedule based on the release of the NFL this morning. This is the official week one schedule with Cowboys and Buccaneers at Raymond James Stadium opening things up on September the 9th on Thursday night. Uh, you see the week one slate in, on Sunday and then of course Monday night football Raiders hosting the Ravens. The Titans opponents uh, includes their week one matchup of course against Arizona. That is official. Uh, through other leaks and other reports, we've been able to see that the Titans will play at the Jets in week four. So the final, the first week of uh, October, I believe, would be week four. Uh, I'm trying to get my calendar right in my mind. Week six on Monday Night Football against the Bills. Um, that will be on ESPN, of course. Week 10 against the Saints and at the Patriots week 12, Paul. That is coming off of a Thursday night football game for the Patriots and the Falcons. So they'll have a few extra days, a mini-bye, to prepare for the Titans. Although you said the Patriots have a very late bye week. This is week 12. Their bye week happens when? Patriots, I believe, have a bye week 14. Late, late. Yeah, and then uh, also reported that the Titans will play Thursday night football at home against the San Francisco 49ers. 
Um, and I've also seen, although I can't find the source of this, that Jacksonville will be within the first four weeks of the season. Um, so we know, well, that's week good. two, three, or four. You want them early. Um, uh, hope that's at home as opposed to on the road. You'd rather play Jacksonville on the road later. Uh, you don't want to deal with the heat early, and you'd rather get a Florida game, uh, a road game, late in the cooler Florida Oh, week weather. five. I'm, Jacksonville week five. Um, I'd love for the Titans to play Jacksonville every week if they could. No, it doesn't say home Any week, way. any and all weeks, the Titans can play Jacksonville. And then week. they return to play Buffalo week six, according to the schedule released there. So. Look, they, they've got, we should point out, uh, you know, uh, I, I understand your primary complaint about strength of schedule. Teams that we know are going to be good, Buffalo, Kansas City, um, those are teams on the According Titans, to Vegas, the Titans, Titans have the 10th schedule. easiest schedule. Based Tenth on easiest schedule? 22nd in the league. Well, I think that comes from playing Houston twice, comes from playing Jacksonville sure. yeah. twice. But they're playing difficult teams that they're going to contend with in the AFC if they're an AFC contender in Buffalo, in Kansas City. But um, they go somewhere, like if you base it on last year's record, the Titans' opponents, they're somewhere around 13th or 14th in difficulty, strength, yeah. strength of schedule. If you base it on projected win totals in Vegas right now, they dropped all the way to 22nd. Yeah. Well, look, playing Houston twice, playing Jacksonville uh, twice really is a boon to to strength of schedule in any form, way, shape, or form. Jacob, put their opponents up. Uh, yeah, put the opponents up and we'll go through. I mean, uh, let's let's go one by one. Arizona's on the rise. I'm not a big buyer on Arizona. I, I think that's a, a, a winnable game. Miami is definitely on the, on the rise. Um, I don't like Tua. But I like the direction that team's going. Again, you hate short quarterbacks. Again, I hate short quarterbacks. San Francisco, I've got middling feelings about. Beat a beatable team, but well coached. And they're coming off a huge injury year. They're a tougher and opponent. And we don't know what Trey Lance is. That's this the year, biggest question. Or, or, or when he's in the lineup. But they're better this year than last year, just mm-hmm. based on injury recovery. Yeah. New Orleans, uh, you know, without Breeze is an easier opponent, but traditionally a, a good team. Kansas City, very good. Um, we've knocked out the, the Texans and the Jaguars, both bad. Uh, Colts, going to be a strong contender in the division, but I'm not a huge Carson Wentz believer. I don't know about you guys at this stage. Can Bills, Carson Wentz be the Ryan Tannehill for Indianapolis yeah. in the second go-around to restart his career? Bills, are ve- uh, you know, I think, sustain what they're building, a, a very good team that needs to rush the passer better and spend a lot of resources on that. You get into the away schedule. I think New England's going to have trouble early assimilating all of those people, but I'm not going to bet against Belichick twice. I don't like their quarterback situation. Chargers, new coach, a lot of talent on that roster. I like the quarterback a lot. Uh, Seahawks are the Seahawks. You know, I, I don't love Russell well, Wilson the, or everything, but they go to the, the playoffs. I said I, I mentioned the Rams. What did I say? Oh, I said Chargers. I'm sorry. I get the color schemes confused. Rams, well-coached team, better quarterback. How long have you covered the NFL? <laughs> uh, better, better quarterback. Are you colorblind? <laughs> Is that the problem? <laughs> or are you just confused by the colors? Oh, colors the lightning, said, the lightning the bolt and the horn are really uh, confusing. It's interesting. It's not a good horn. Um, bad, Is this like the dress mistake. debate with the colors? Yeah, Is Paul yeah. not seeing the colors? Bad mistake. Better, better team with... With uh, the quarterback situation. Oh, by far. By far, right? Well coached. <laughs> Stafford's going to push it. Challenging. Yeah. Seahawks, always a challenge in Seattle in particular, right? That's a, yes. a bad road trip. A cacophony of noise. Steelers, always challenging, right? <laughs> sure. Of course. And uh, Jets, 
you know, a lot better than usual, but you should still win that. I, I look at that and I see a, a reasonably tough schedule outside of, outside of, as I said, the Texans and the, and the Jaguars. What do you think on its face? They're playing in the worst, one of the worst divisions in the National Football League. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's it's the they've four got those four the schedule they and how difficult five. their schedule is. They get the Jags and they get the Texans, plus they get the Jets. Yeah. Not many teams that can say they've got four games. That's that. There's easy. a reason why the Raiders in Vegas have the worst. <laughs> yeah. They have the worst projected schedule based on win total of opponents because of their division and their their cross rivals with that 17th game coming up. Guys, fun show today. Flew by. We're going to recap the schedule and much more tomorrow. A lot to get to across the NFL. Uh, we'll we'll detail the details and strength of schedule based on what Vegas has. By the way. FanDuel.com slash OK360. Great odds, future bets. Uh, those are going to be available for teams right now. Plus, week one lines are available. Speaking of the Titans, uh, they're giving, what, two and a half right now at FanDuel.com slash OK360 against Arizona. So you can go ahead and make your future bets before odds sway one way or the other. I like Subscribe to, go, to the channel. YouTube. I like to go five minutes before a game, not five months. But that that's just me. Um don't block the box and do lock the locks. And you're going to hear somebody say, lock the door. I, I, this is some fraudulent thing. Get some original content and wait until a naked kid on acid bursts into your house before you steal my stuff. Go away. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.